What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Rockcast brought to you by Onyx Hunt Maps. Today we are going to do basically the part two to the Alaska doll sheep hunt um, series. Well, this isn't really a series, I guess. But um, yeah, I, I got on with my camera guy, Jonah Bell, and we went through day to day on what happened. So that's just called the doll sheep hunt that just ran this last week. And now I'm going to kick out this gear one that is going to be essentially like part two to the whole, um, the doll sheep experience. I did go through my entire gear list called the 2021 gear list a while back, talked about kind of everything that I was going to bring on this trip and then that I was going to use this season. And so now I'm just going to go and, and, um, basically go back through that list of the things that I used for the doll sheep hunt itself. And I'm going to say what worked and what didn't. And, um, yeah, just kind of how everything worked out. So first thing, um, I do want to go through my, the travel stuff a little bit more. Um, so traveling, especially that far with like this much gear, it can kind of be a pain in the ass. Um, but this time it, uh, it wasn't, it wasn't really bad. Um, you know, all in all, like the airlines and all that went really well. Um, we went everything through Alaska airlines, which I would definitely recommend. Um, we did end up booking a round trip and we did, um, like my buddy Jake just, you know, went through, um, Jake Downs with his podcast is called earn your hunt. And he goes through basically his Alaska doll sheep experience was a lot of like logistical nightmares with flights and hotels and just traveling and getting around. And I think that that's one thing to really note on this um, is we didn't have any any issues, but we definitely could have. Um, for example, on the way back when we got our charter back into Fairbanks, uh, we got back about like three o'clock in the afternoon probably. And then my flight left, most of our flights left the next morning at like 2 a.m. So we had that time to kill. We wanted to go just like grab a hotel room and uh, and be able to like all take a shower and just like lounge, go eat a bunch of food somewhere um, and whatnot. So um, we were not able to get a, a hotel room when we got back into Fairbanks. My uh, I sent my buddy Nick Mookie. He was on talking about dull sheep gear and like what he uses um, and just talk about sheep hunting in general. So that episode aired quite a while back. But um, Nick basically called me and was like, dude, you're not going to find a hotel room around here. Um, he offered his place up to us, which was super awesome. Thanks again for that, man. And let us use his garage and air everything out. Um, but anyways a hotel room was basically non-existent in Fairbanks at that time. There was like a few Airbnbs. Um, and then the next thing you got to think about, we were able to get rental cars, but I don't think that's always the case. And like trying to get a taxi sounded like it was a nightmare. There's no such thing as Uber out there. So it really does take a lot of extra planning. And I don't think people think about that, you know, like logistical, you know, when you think about Alaska hunts wise, it's all very logistical, even in town in Fairbanks anyways, it's pretty damn logistical. So 
That's something to think about there. Um, so we used Alaska Airlines. I booked it as a round trip instead of booking like a one way and then anticipating getting done early or whatever. I didn't do any of that. We just went ahead and decided to book completely round trip. And so that was, that was nice. And we ended up, you know, going right to the end and using it. And basically what I did was I was just in close contact with the outfitter. He ended up booking our, uh, charter flight that was going to go like from Fairbanks out to the main landing strip, um, where they could get like a caravan out to. Um, so I was just in close contact with him. I knew when our flight was going to be back into Fairbanks or when it was supposed to be anyways. And then I tried to book a flight from there accordingly. Um, at that time, if I would have booked a hotel room, you know, we're talking a couple months in advance. Um, if I were going to book a hotel room, I could have done that then. Um, but just like last minute booking a hotel room probably wouldn't have been very great. Um, Gosh, what else? Um, you know, on the way there, we flew in um, to Fairbanks, and then I already had hotels booked. That should be something that you, you know, probably do. It'll be interesting to know, like, the other guy that I went with that was hunting, Daniel Horner, he tried to get a grizzly bear tag when we got to Fairbanks. <clears throat> Um, because if he ordered it online, they were, you know, it wasn't going to get shipped to his house fast enough by the time, you know, we decided that he wanted to, to try to shoot a grizzly. Um, so we went in and tried to get a tag at Sportsman's Warehouse. Well, they didn't, their system, uh, now we learned that their system got hacked, I guess, but basically their system was down. You couldn't get tags. So, I mean, randomly, I'm, I'm just thinking about like how that is going to set, that did set a lot of people back, I think with like, gosh, that would just be a mess because if you get in and you plan on going to Sportsman's, buying your tag the next day, you have a charter flight out and you get there, you can't get your tag. So what are you going to do? What are you going to get on the charter flight for if you can't get your tag? So then that had to have just delayed everything quite astronomically. That would be a, a headache and a nightmare. Um, so unfortunately like Daniel could have shot a grizzly bear on his trip and he didn't have a tag for it. Um, so that was just kind of something noteworthy that happened that we did not talk about on the last podcast. So, um, anyways, we got in, um, did all that. Didn't have any, um, issues coming in. I mean, I would personally recommend, you know, trying to get, I think I got into Fairbanks at like three o'clock in the afternoon, um, from Seattle. That was really nice. Um, most of the flights, I guess it's, it's good to note too, like most of the flights on the way back because they want to get you back in the lower 48 to like catch the rest of the flights during the day. So a lot of those flights, like out of Fairbanks, they're going to leave at like two o'clock in the morning or stuff like that. Especially if you want to try to get home the same day. Um, I was flying back to Boise. So I, my deal wasn't really bad. We left at like 2.30 in the morning or 2.45 in the morning from Fairbanks, got into Seattle at like 7 a.m. or something like that. I don't really remember. And then I ended up getting back into Boise at 11 a.m. So, you know, the flight home wasn't so bad. It was just like the initial, the morning stuff in Fairbanks. It wasn't very much fun, but we didn't end up sleeping anyways. So it didn't really matter. Um, but uh, yeah, so that was that. 
we did use Alaska Airlines. I think all of us use Alaska. Like, no complaints there. Um, Alaska was was really good to us. Um, as far as how I camped, or good lord, how I camped, how I packed for this trip. Um, so I put like my sleeping bag, sleeping pad. My I did bring a tent, so I brought my tent, like. Um, a bunch of that kind of stuff. I put it in and I'm trying to figure out exactly what, let's see, bags, uh, luggage. I'm trying to figure out exactly which Yeti bag, exactly what it's called. Yeah. So it's just the crossroads, the 29 inch luggage is what they call it. And that's basically the, the big roller bag that they have. Um, so I wanted to be able to have a roller bag. I've used duffels for like ever when I'm filming and I finally went to a roller bag a couple years ago. It was the Yeti roller bag, the really big one. Um, that I like the size of it and I like that you can roll it, but everything else about it drove me nuts. Um, the zipper is a real pain in the ass. So I got rid of that. And now I've got that, uh, the Yeti crossroads. So I do wish that it was a little bit bigger. I wish it was longer and could fit more stuff in it. Maybe that's a good thing that you can't. Um, but so that's what I did. I brought that roller bag. It's really nice, especially when you have all this other stuff, you have a rifle and then you have a roller bag that you're checking. And then you probably have like a backpack and probably something else like I did. So you have all this stuff that you're going through the airport with. It's really nice to have rollers. So I'd highly, highly recommend doing that. But the, yeah, that, uh, that Yeti was nice to have. So that's what I used for a check bag. Um, and then I thought that maybe I could get my backpack into the checked bag, but I just, I had too much stuff and it didn't really work out. So I just brought like my regular, like my backpacking backpack that I used, um, I just collapsed it down and uh, carried it on the plane with me. And then another thing that I, I did to not have things quite as maxed out as they could have been, I definitely could have got by with just having my um, that roller bag with my gear in it and then my backpack. But I started thinking about like getting meat back and I wasn't 100% per, well, I wasn't 100% sure of that process. Um, so I brought like the Yeti backpack cooler. I don't remember what they call it. I think they call it the backflip, but it has shoulder straps. So I was able to put some of my gear into that and then use that as a, um, a carry-on as well, along with my backpack. So that was a good way to do it. I didn't end up taking meat home in that. Um, we ended up, because I was going to take the cape as well, like I wasn't anticipating keeping or taking the cape home with me. I thought I was going to have the expediter do that with the horns. That's not exactly the way it worked out. Um, so we needed a fish box. So we just used a fish box and put the meat and the hide in a fish box. Um, froze it as much as we could. Um, and then checked it on the plane home with me and it was fine. It was awesome. So, um, that's what we did there, but that's basically the layout that I used for, um, traveling up there doing it again. I mean, obviously if I knew that we weren't going to use that little backpack cooler, I probably would not have brought that. Um, but all in all, like everything worked good. I had my Pelican case, um, which I locked. Something that I learned too was, um, a 
just recently TSA started saying that like, no, we don't want you to use TSA approved locks on firearms anymore because the keys were easy to get and people were getting their shit broken into and messed with or stolen. sounds like so not good. Um, so I just went and got regular padlocks, did not have a problem with that at all. Going through security, um, you know, through the airport, they just had me like, stay with the rifle. You take it to the oversized at TSA. They have you open it here in Boise. They're used to looking at that thing in, in Fairbanks are used to looking at that as well. It's probably going to kind of depend on like the size of your airport and how used to seeing, uh, firearms they are, but I didn't have any issues. It was really straightforward. Um, another thing too, I believe is like, instead of just having two locks on it or one lock on it, if you have an eyelet for a lock on your case, every single one of those eyelets needs to be taken up. So for me, that was four. I just went and got like a four pack master set that had keys on them. Um, so that's what I did there. I packed, um, as much stuff inside of my, uh, my gun case as I could as well. So I don't even know that was things like my, the pistol holster, um, gosh, uh, my binoculars, spotting scope, things like that. I think I packed in there so they'd have a little bit extra, um, extra padding with it. So that was nice. Something to think of too. It wouldn't hurt to run down and get like a little packing scale. So before you get to the airport, you know, if your bag is 50 pounds or not, um, because that's the limit and, They'll charge you quite a bit extra for that if you go over the 50 pounds. So something, uh, something to think about there. So that's pretty much how I packed. I think I went through that. Okay. All right, everybody just want to jump in here real quick and thank our sponsor Onyx Hunt Maps for bringing the Rockcast to you. Um, we appreciate them very much. It is hunting season. It is like time to put Onyx to the test. Hopefully you've been scouting, dropping a bunch of pins and you get to go into the area and check those pins out. Um, one thing that I'm going to try to use a lot this year is the tracking feature. And I don't really care about the tracking feature for like all day or whatever. Like I don't care about that. What I care about is if I have a glassing point that I like to start at or a glassing point or whatever, and then I have the trailhead where I'm leaving the vehicle and I want to know how long it's going to take me to get from the vehicle to that glassing knob. Um, I can turn my tracker on and I can run a track up to that glassing knob and then that track is saved. So then like next year or even later in the season or when you're trying to give some spots to your buddies, you know that, hey, it takes me 45 minutes to get from the vehicle to this glassing point. So this is what time I have to leave in the morning. And it's not like next year or something it's not catching you by surprise like man I thought this was a lot shorter or whatever um and then it's you're not getting to your glassing point in the correct daylight or whatever so tracks super awesome um I run tracks you know from a whitetail standpoint I run tracks from the vehicle to the stand so if I send them to somebody they can pull it up on their onyx and then they can run my exact track in um, so they're not like wandering around trying to find the stand um, or going like a weird way in. They can run my track in and that's really nice. So that's just a little, the uh, Onyx tip of the week there. Use code ROTCAST at checkout if you hop on 
I highly encourage everybody hop on and just download the app. It's free technically like the there's a free version of it just use it like get familiar with it obviously you you don't have access to all the features but some of them you do just get familiar with it if you decide to purchase go to www.onyxmaps.com forward slash hunt you can only do this online you cannot do it through the app and enter code rockcast at checkout for 20 percent off and um yeah so i hope you guys are enjoying this podcast we're going to dive into the gear the Kefaru Duplex Light 24-inch frame. Been using that for a long time. I've been using Kefaru for a long time. It's an absolute outstanding product. Um, that worked really good. I used the new Kefaru doll bag. They just came out with it. It's really big. It's like 8,000 cubic inches. It is a top load only. Um, there's no side access. And um, I didn't really think about that going into it, but, you know... I also knew I needed a big bag and the bag was called the doll and it just seemed like the right thing to do is take the doll bag on a doll sheep hunt. So that's what I did. Um, the sides are X-Pack. Um, the back mostly is like Cordura and I am told that that is for reinforcement. You cannot have a bag that's completely X-Pack and you can, but the durability isn't going to be there and that is something that Kafaru does not want to sacrifice is the durability and the bomb proof of their bags, but they do want to try to lighten them up a little bit and, you know, add some of that water protection. So they have that bag is like an X-Pack Cordura combination. Um, and the X-Pack material essentially is waterproof. So that's why, you know, you see companies running that, that type of material is because it is waterproof. Um, the part that's not waterproof is the seams. So I did not personally do it, but you can go through and you can seam seal that bag and that's going to help a little bit. Um, you know, all in all, I, there, I did get some leakage. I did not bring a rain fly. Um, they have like a rain, you know, a pack cover. I didn't bring one just because I knew that everything that was important that could not in under any circumstances get wet inside of that bag was going to be in its own little bag, a uh, dry bag. And I personally don't like pack covers and they are just a pain in the ass to me. So I just said, I'm not going to bring one. So I didn't bring one, but I did make sure that everything, um, inside was in its own dry bag and protected that way. Um, I did get some leakage with the doll bag as you know, you know, from the last one we had hellacious weather and, it was kind of a pain in the ass. So, um, I did get some leakage and that was mostly on the bottom of the bag where I would like set it down. A lot of times if my pack is full, I just like setting it down to where it's like upright so I can just sit down and get in the shoulder straps and get up that way. So, um, I did have some leakage through the bottom of the bag. I wouldn't say it completely soaked it, but like my sleeping, the, um, the dry bag that my sleep system was in, you know, the bottom of it would have some water that beat it up on it. I wouldn't say it's like a ton of water, but water nonetheless. Um, so that's just something to think about that just because that material is waterproof, like there's seams and all that stuff on the bottom of the bag that that is just gonna, and with how much moisture we had, like eventually it's just going to soak into something. So that happened. Um, I did use the guide lid that was in X-Pack. 
And I will say like that got a lot of rain, just, you know, it's on the top of your bag that got a lot of water and rain on it and things like that. And that never leaked. And, um, so that was something to, something to, uh, think about there. A lot of really the water going through the bottom of the bag was me setting it down on the ground. I'm quite sure. So there you go. Um, I brought the Nalgene water bottle holder for getting real crazy with it. And then I did bring another Kefaro X-Pack belt pocket and that X-Pack pocket stayed dry the entire time. All the contents inside stayed dry. Okay, sleep system. I brought the Hilleberg Neak tent. Um, the outfitter did give the option, like he would provide the tent if I wanted to. And that was a tarp tent. I think it was the double rainbow or the rainbow two, however you want to look at that. Um, I chose to bring my Hilleberg just because I paid a lot of money for that damn thing. And it's never let me down before. I'm very comfortable in it. So I decided to bring that. So I would do it again in a heartbeat. It definitely paid for itself on this trip. Um, there was one morning we had, I mean, 50 mile an hour gust for damn sure. And, um, and there was, I didn't exactly stake my tent down like I should have the night before that next morning it was supposed to be nice and that was supposed to be like a nice day of weather and it ended up turning out to be absolutely awful but um I that was the only time where I was like I'm pretty sure if I get out of this tent it's gonna blow away so I just didn't get out of it I was like tying my vestibule off to my backpack and all the things it was crazy um but that tent held up absolutely awesome you know there was a few mornings I know like it was pretty damn cold and the other guys that were sleeping in those the tarp tents which none of them really broke like some of the poles bent and things like that but they never like completely broke so um definitely if you're in the market for a rainbow two tent I saw that thing go through some hell and it's still they're still standing um but yeah, so one thing, just like the construction's obviously different on them. Those tents are lighter a bit than the, than the NIAC. I'm not exactly sure on the weights there. The NIAC is like a little bit over three pounds. I'm sure those other ones are probably like two pounds. Um, but there was a couple mornings it was pretty cool and the other guys woke up with like frost on their sleeping bags. I never had that. So my tent was a little bit warmer, obviously. Um, which was nice. And for a sleeping bag, I brought the Kafaru Slick 20 degree synthetic sleeping bag. Um, I've talked a whole bunch about how important having synthetic insulation is up there. Um, you know, there's a lot of guys that will bring their down, but it's just really important to realize that like, if that down goes flat, you are effed, especially in a situation like we were where you're just constantly in wet like conditions in an environment and eventually like everything's going to get wet. If that down were to go down, like there's nobody coming to get you. Like you can walk down to an airstrip if you want, but they're not coming because it's freaking clouded in and it's been raining forever. So, um, you're kind of, you can be pretty much screwed in that situation. So, um, this Alaska trip just like re, um, reinsured me, I guess, that synthetic is definitely the way to go in those wet situations, especially where you can't go anywhere. Like, 
we here in the lower 48, even in like Northern Idaho or something, like if you're five miles back and your down goes down, you can just walk back to the pickup. Like it's going to suck, but you can do it. Get a different sleeping bag. Try to get that thing to air out um, or dry out, whatever. But back there, you are not like you are not going anywhere and it's wet and it's the sun did not come out for like four days and you're not, what are you going to, you're not going to dry anything out. So I just really am trying to like re knock it into people's heads that like synthetic, especially for a sleeping bag is like the way to go up there. There's a lot of guys like they will use down, but it can really suck. Okay. But the Kafara slick 20 degree bag, no complaints there. Um, really the bag stayed warm. It was my sleeping pad that I had a little bit of a go around with using the big Agnes Q core, the SLX. Um, I've always really like, I feel I've, this is my third season using that sleeping pad and I always feel like I've had good luck with it, but it's always been a little bit on the cooler side. Um, but I, since until now, I've been trying to combat that with just getting a uh, like lower temp rated sleeping bag. Um, now, uh, I was actually on my way to the Brooks Range, listening to a podcast on the airplane, and they started talking about how a lot of the sleeping bag and pad, I don't know about bag, I shouldn't have said that, the sleeping pad rating system, like the R value rating system has been redone. So a lot of these companies have to, it's like more standardized. So I got on and looked at what R value my pad was, and it was supposed to be a four and now it's a 3.2. So the big Agnes Q core SLX, good pad for summer. I slept on it this last weekend. It was fine. It was a little bit cooler than the X pad, uh, the X pad that Leah was using. But it was okay. But it they're colder than they're supposed to be. So I am um, looking to get rid of that. So if anybody wants it, shoot me a message. Um, for like an all through September bag, it's great. When you start getting into those October temps where they can dip like into the teens situation, I would say screw the that pad and I would try to get one that's like probably like a four. I would go at least a four. So interesting to note there, I actually ended up getting the Q-Core, I think they call it the Deluxe, which is like a 4.3 pad, a little bit heavier, whatever, I don't care, Um, because they're they're a comfortable sleeping pad and they've, Big Agnes has really treated me really well. So uh, that's what I use for the sleep system, that's the only thing I would change, get a sleeping pad that bumps you up into that that 4 value, um, R value wise. Another thing that I brought that I don't even think I talked about in my gear list, which is sad, is what I did for like a a sitting pad. So I have, you know, like a lot of people, just the Thermarest Z seat that you, you know, it's just like a little seat that folds up like an accordion. And that is a foam pad. I do not know what the R value is to that thing, but it's probably pretty damn good. Um, So instead of doing that, I thought of like, okay, well, we're going to be around a lot of rocks. What happens if my sleeping pad pops? And so I thought instead of taking the Z seat, I'm going to take something that's more like a Z rest, which is basically Thermarest, 
like um, sleeping pad that's a foam pad. Folds up like an accordion, just like the seat. I actually picked up an Alps Mountaineering one. They're like all basically the same thing. And I cut it down to three quarter length of my body instead of, because they're kind of bulky. Um, And then that's what I strapped to the outside of my pack. And I used it for, gosh, one night, like the night that we just rolled out our sleeping pads when we were waiting, or sleeping bags when we were waiting for the the sheep to stand up and everybody else was laid out like right on the ground. They didn't get their pads out and air them up. You would probably just slide right off the mountain if you did that anyways. Um, but I could just super like quickly, easily, I just took that thermorest out and I unzied it, if you will. And then I could lay on that. And I think that that let me stay a little bit more warm. We all froze our asses off that night, but I think it, it helped a bit. Um, and then also I could put it underneath of my air pad, which I did do quite a few times, gave it some extra insulation down there. And then it also protected it from the rocks and stuff. So I thought that that was a super good move and I will do that again for sure. Um, if I'm going to go up on a, on a hunt like that. So, okay. Down to some other gear, the, uh, S and S carbon tracking poles, been using those. This is probably my, like my fourth season, um, with those. And the only thing that happened was like going through all the bog and stuff. Um, the very end pole, like the smallest one, it like kind of untwisted in all of the, in all of the like alders and stuff. And just like how the permafrost and how squishy that ground is, it just catches things more than like the ground in the normal, like the lower 48 would. Um, and it completely pulled out and I lost the bottom of the pole. So then I just had a short pole for a while. Um, but I just ran it down here the other day and they do carry some extra parts for those. And I got the bottom section. So otherwise those car, uh, those carbon poles are freaking awesome. Um, the Garmin Phoenix X or the Phoenix six, uh, watch that I have, no complaints there. If I'm being quite honest with everybody, I, for most people, the Garmin Instinct watch is going to be fantastic and it's going to be like half the price. Um, the, for like a real tech junkie, the Phoenixes are awesome. You have like topo maps on here. Um, and it gets you a little bit of extra stuff than the, than the Instinct does. But for most backcountry hunters, that Instinct would be awesome. Okay. I got a new headlamp for this. Um, I got the Petzl Actic Core, and it is a rechargeable headlamp. It has a little battery that has a little USB port on it that you charge it. And that thing is bright as hell and like really in the new and noteworthy place for me. Like it is freaking awesome. There's like three settings, um, just like low, medium, and high. Low, I would say, is like medium for a lot of headlamps, the high or the, the medium on the, the Petzl is about like a normal headlamp. I would, I would, I'm generalizing that, but like a normal headlamp, I would say. And then they has one more setting that is bright as hell and it's, it's awesome. So big, big fan of that Petzl Actic core headlamp. It can, it's a rechargeable, but then you can also take that battery out and just put regular, I believe triple A's in it. 
um, which is nice. So that's a badass headlamp. You should all go check out. Um, that I did bring my other little, uh, Petzl E-Light headlamp. It's like super tiny. I always keep it in my bino harness as a backup. Um, I did do that. You know, there's a dude that got a hold of me. At first, I was going to bring two headlamps. I was going to bring the Black Diamond Spot. I ended up ditching that, and I left that headlamp at home because, in reality, it does not get dark for very long up there. But there was one guy that got a hold of me after my last one and told me that I was going overkill on the headlamps, which is true. I probably was. But he said that it doesn't get dark there, which is kind of bullshit because it did in fact get dark there for like four hours five hours but it was dark enough that like our packer didn't have a headlamp and he was kicking himself for it because we walked a lot in the dark and in the trees um those last couple of days like getting into position and then packing out um and don't let anybody tell you not to take a headlamp take a headlamp that's crazy um Okay, so that's all I have to say on that. The Kafaru sheep tarp I brought, that was a little bit of an extra thing. There were some people that were like, well, you know, like that might be a little bit too much, whatever. It ended up being really nice for us. There was a couple of days where we all huddled under, the, all four of us huddled under that thing and uh, drank coffee and listened to it rain and watched it rain and whatever. But it was really nice. Like we obviously all had good rain gear on, but... It was really nice having that other little extra um, thing to help block the wind and whatever. And I believe that tarp is like 11 ounces or 9 ounces. I don't remember which one. It's not very much. I threw like four MSR groundhog stakes in with it. And it's great. Pitch it with trekking poles. You can pitch it a bunch of different ways. We tied it to rocks. We did all the things. So I that is something that, that I would definitely do again. And I know like... We had abnormally shitty weather. Like, we just did. For the time of year that it was, um, we just had bad weather. So, some of this stuff, you know, the sheep tarp, it might not come in handy for rain, but it might come in handy when you're sitting somewhere glassing and you're trying to keep the sun off you or something like that. So, I think that was a very functional piece of gear that I had. The Canon point-and-shoot camera. I took the SX70, and I would not do it again, if I'm being honest. I've used that thing mostly for filming because it has, like, an unreal zoom quality, but when it comes to pictures, they just pretty much sucked, and I used my phone most of the time. So, I still stand by taking a point-and-shoot camera, if this is, like, a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity for you. Um, a point-and-shoot camera, it's just going to be a little bit better than the phone. Typically I would do something like the G nine X from, um, that tines up cells in their phone scope adapter kit. Um, but the SX 70, as far as picture quality goes, I would not do it, would not do it again. Um, you should just research a little bit more on those Canon cameras, um, or just point and shoot cameras like the Sony RX 100s. Those are good still cameras that G seven X Mark II that I actually have. I just didn't bring it. Um, I lost a screw out of the screen and I was a little scared about breaking it even more than it already is. So I didn't want to do that. 
Um, the G9X is another good one. Um, but I still stand by taking a point and shoot camera to document the memories is going to be a really good thing, but just know the camera that you have when you're going in. Um, okay. Some charging stuff that I brought. So thinking that it's August, it's early season. It's not going to rain that much. I only brought one, uh, charging pack and then I brought my solar panel. So my solar panel, I misspoke on, on the last one. Um, right now I have the Rav Power 21 watt solar panel. I got it off of Amazon. It was like $50 at the time. They do not have it on there anymore, but they have one that literally looks like a carbon copy that Anchor has their name on. So I'm pretty sure they're probably the same exact thing. Um, so an Anchor 21 watt solar panel, big, big fan of that panel. Um, it's, it's been great for me. The dark energy pro chargers. Um, I think the dark energy pro is a better battery pack than it's like little brother or older model of the dark energy Poseidons. Um, they are only 10,000 milliamp though. And I say only like, I have a lot of stuff to charge. I was on my in reach like a lot on that trip, as you can imagine and charging my phone. And then I have a headlamp that you could charge. I never charged the headlamp on that trip, by the way. Um, but I was charging my, I brought my AirPods with me, my Apple AirPods, like, you know, so I could like listen to books on tape that I never downloaded as it turns out. Um, but so I brought my AirPods. I charged those a couple of times, of course, charged my phone a bit. And then I charged my inReach. And then we were charging camera batteries. But those are the three things that I charge the most. Um, Jonah brought like two or three RAV power charging banks with him um, because he was going to have to charge batteries and whatever. That ended up coming in really handy when we didn't have um, sunlight to recharge my my charger. So... I I would either bring two dark energies so you can get 20,000 milliamp or I would go and get a RAV power battery bank that is like at least a 20,000 milliamp. Um, that should get you through a five-day hunt pretty good. If you're a millennial like me and you like to use your phone or even not a millennial, whatever, like being able to recharge that stuff was really important, especially like we were sitting in the tent for days. And I was on my inReach a lot, on my phone a lot, just the way it was. Um, so I would definitely go for no less than 20,000 milliamps if I was going to go buy a charger nowadays. That being said, the Dark Energy Pro, like it was a great charger. It recharged my phone and the inReach probably two times each from pretty damn close to dead um, before it would, before you were like on the last leg of the battery situation. Um, but that's what I would have to say about that. Solar panel was all good. Um, what I would say with all of your charging equipment, especially not so much like the iPhone chargers, but like the mini USBs, those little things just like to break. That's just what they do. They freaking break. So like my guides was pretty much broken. Mine was pretty much broken at the end of the trip. They really don't weigh anything. They probably don't cost that much either. I would personally bring if it's a thing if it's something like that that is going to like recharge your inReach bring two of those um 
of those chords. I that's what I am going to do from now on anyways is do that for sure. Um okay. This was a mistake that I had made. So um, I wrote down in my gear list to bring my phone scope adapter, which is basically, it's made by Tines Up. It goes on your phone. It's like a phone scope, but it's not a phone scope brand. In my opinion, it's better. Um, I lost it. I can't find it. We basically tore the house and my vehicle and all the vehicles apart before we, um, before we left the night before we left and I could not find that. So then I'm thinking, all right, we'll we'll just go to sportsman's warehouse. We will buy a phone scope and it, that will be okay. Did not, uh, end up finding one that fit an iPhone XR. So there's that there's, um, super nice guy. I believe Tom Kennedy at sportsman's warehouse and he let us borrow a couple of his that he had, um, I still think that like the the Tines Up the Scope Cam adapter the for the iPhone is like the best that you can go with, um, and mine is still lost, so I'm gonna have to order a new one, I guess. Um, but I definitely would have brought that. I really missed it when we were trying to film sheep. Um, I definitely if if that's something you like having on your phone, um, that Tines Up is is the way to go. Um, talked about the 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 glassing pad that I cut down again the inreach I took the 66i that's you know a little, it's heavier bigger than like the mini obviously um but that's just the inreach that I use on the daily anyways I really like it like you have maps and topos easy to get on there it's more of like a GPS first and an inReach second, but still works extremely well. Um, the battery life does really good. I would go, I mean, I was using the thing a lot too. When I was using it a lot, a lot, it was like I could get through a couple of days and then have to recharge. Um, but just using it kind of like more sparingly intermittently, like I'd get three days out of a charge. So that's nice. And obviously a bigger unit, a little bit heavier. Some of that's the battery. The battery's bigger, can hold more than like the mini, but something to think about there. Um, I did end up taking, I rented a sat phone. So I went through, I think outfitter satellite. I rented the uh, 95.55, I believe. It's like the cheaper. There's a 95.75 that's supposed to be like the extreme, like super bomb proof, all of the things. I think you could get like email and stuff on that. I didn't really need that. I just wanted to be able to call home um, at least like every other day or a few times during the trip. And that's, I ended up doing that. Um, so I rented that. That ended up being like a little over 200 bucks. I got 60 minutes on it. I don't think I went over in minutes. Um, but that ended up being like 12 minutes every other day of the hunt or something like that. Um, so I used that. That's something that I personally would do again. Calling home to me is very important. And to some people, I know it's not. The inReach is enough, but it just uh wasn't enough for me, I guess. Um okay, other gear, so water bottles, that situation, the water situation. Um they recommended you bring two water bottles, so I did. I brought my regular Nalgene with a cap cap lid. And then I brought a collapsible water bottle, which is essentially, gosh, what is that called? It is called the 
the Hydropack collapsible bottle. So the bottom and the top of the bottle are like hard and it has a regular cap, but then the middle is more like the water bladder material. So you can collapse it down and then it doesn't take up any space. Um, I would not do that again. I would take a regular water bottle and I would probably take like the taller Nalgene bottles instead of just the regular one liters. I think I would bring, I don't know if those are a liter and a half or two liters, but I would bring a taller one. That would have been nice. So that's one thing that I would change. Um, another thing that I brought for water is the MSR trail shot. I went back and forth. My guide or the packer did not have any like water filtration with them. They just drink out of the stream and they like know what to look for to, to like not be stupid and drink bad water. Um, you know, one of the things when we were finding these little springs is, uh, my guide was like, if the water is cold, then that means the, the water is like filtering through it. Like it's flowing. It's not just stagnant. If it's warm, then it's probably stagnant. You probably shouldn't drink it. Um, so that's what they did. I, that trail shot, like, would not recommend it. We referred to it as milking the mountain because you just, like, squeeze and squeeze and squeeze that thing. And if you're going to bring a filter, bring a filter. Like, bring, like, an MSR, what, the Sweetwater or... Um, like a Katadin Pro or something like that. Like bring one that actually has a handle that doesn't suck to use. Um, It's probably, you know, that thing was like 40 bucks. I've had it for a long time. I brought it as, or I bought it as just like a backup to my Steripin if something went down. Um, The reason that I didn't bring my Steripin on this trip is because I knew a lot of the water was probably not going to be running. It was going to be like more of a stagnant and I didn't know like how much garnish I wanted to have in my water. So that's why I brought the filter is basically so you could have a pre-filter with it. Um, so yeah, doing it again. I mean, honestly it became so much of pain in the ass doing the trail shot. I think Jonah used it every, every time he filled his water bottle up. Um, I didn't, I just finally got tired of it and said, um, well, hopefully I'm going to be home in a week and, um, hopefully I don't get sick in between now and then. And I didn't end up getting sick. So there's that situation. Optics that I took. So took the Sig Sauer Kilo 3000 range finding binoculars. They worked fantastic. I think for like the money, they're like 1200 bucks for the bang for your buck. I do not think you can beat those binoculars. Um, they're small. They're like more packable than the EL ranges that I used to use. Obviously the internal ballistics are like damn near the best in the business. Um, if not the best in the business and then, you know, your glass quality, it's not going to be up with those, those big three. Um, but honestly it's pretty damn close. Like I used Swarovski for a long time and then I started using Sig Sauer and their upper end stuff like these Kilo 3000s, like the Zulu 9s, they have fantastic glass quality and I've been really happy with them. So for bang for your buck, can't beat them. Um, They worked fantastic for me. I put my uh, data for my rifle into my, those range fighting binoculars and they spit me out, you know, 
it's very it's a very accurate program and um it was it was good so okay next i brought a spotting scope i brought this sig sour oscar 8 80 millimeter um spotting scope there's a lot of people that were like man just have your guide carry it but at some point the guide has to pretty much take over your entire like he has to take over the spotting scope so he can like really study and make sure that that's a legal rand that you're going to go after. Um, and I didn't want to have to share. So I just, uh, manned up, if you will, womaned up, whatever. Um, and I brought, I carried the spotting scope the thing is like four pounds. Um, but it's fantastic. The guide carried a Swarovski 65 millimeter. I believe it was the ATX. It might've been a, just ATS. Um, but, you know, we looked side by side through him. During the daylight, he favored mine, actually. Um, and then as it would taper off towards dark, they were more of like neck and neck for a lot of it. But that's obviously the extra objective size that you've got on my 80 millimeter versus his 65 that did that. Um, all right. And then for a tripod, I brought the Outdoorsman's Compact with their... Um, just regular pan head. It's a freaking great system. I use their medium, their set of medium legs, which is now their standard legs for a long time. Moving to this compact was really nice for packing. I will say it was badass. Their pan head worked great with my spotting scope um, and binoculars. Of course, I took the um, outdoorsman's bino post to put those um, range finding binoculars on a tripod. Um, and it was good. Yeah, it was good. Then for my binocular harness, I've been using a T&K this last year. This is going to be my second season with a T&K. Um, honestly, a big fan of it. Uh, I like it a lot. Um, I did not on this trip bring... He makes one, something called an admin pouch. It's basically... Uh, it's like a little like a little gear pouch thing that goes on the side. Um Looking back, I probably would have brought that instead of not. Um, it would have taken some of the junk out of my pockets, which would have been nice. Um, but yeah, the TNK Bino Harness, it was great. Um, rifle that I used, the Sig Sauer Cross in a 6.5 Creedmoor. It's a good rifle. Been shooting it for, this is going to be my second season with it, I guess. So yeah, um, big fan of it. And then I put the Whiskey 5 scope on top of it. And that was great. It was a, a 3.5 to 12, I believe. Um, so that was that was a great scope. Um, the scope cover, I just used like a Sig Sauer, like just a neoprene cover that a lot of the companies make. Um, that just, they put their logo on them basically. But they're just like the neoprene scope covers. That's what I used. That was really nice. Um... The outfitter wanted us to bring like a soft case for the bush flights. So we used Wright Air in Fairbanks when we went from as a charter from Fairbanks to the lake. Um, they have a room upstairs, which is like completely full of um, hard gun cases. So when we got to the when we got to Wright Air, I took my rifle out and then they recommend that you put it in like a soft case for travel. I went a slightly bit different route and instead of going with a fully enclosed like soft case, zippered soft case like you think of, um, I went with an air armor, um, like a scope cover basically that airs up. 
so they call him. Uh, the company is Air Air Armor, and um, yeah, I just got it. Like it's a little case that has a handle on it, like a quarter a case has a handle on it, and um, it airs up. So you can air it up. You put it around your scope, and that's going to protect your scope. The rest of the rifle, to be honest with you, I really wasn't worried about. I just folded the stock down, and they put it in with our our baggage and whatever, and they weren't, like, throwing it around or anything. Like, I watched them put it on the plane. Um, and so it was in good hands, and then that worked really well, too, for getting out um, in the field. And they're really light, too, so that was nice. And then I used the Spartan Pro Hunt bipod. I personally would not imagine doing it any other way. Um, there was some people that were like, bipods are worthless, don't bring one, it's going to be extra weight, whatever. But I can tell you that the shot that I ended up having to take, it would have been a lot harder and I would have had to move a lot more to get a good rest to shoot the sheep if I didn't have, if I wouldn't have had that bipod, um, it would have been a lot, there would have been a lot more of a production to try to get a, a good steady shot. Whereas that bipod, I just popped the thing on the front. A lot of the time I would just keep the bipod in my, my, uh, pocket of my pants. We were getting pretty close to where the sheep were going to be. I popped that thing on and sure enough had to, um, had to rest it over a rock to use it. It was kind of at a weird angle. I ended up like on my knees and like bent over basically. Um, it was just kind of a weird, um, it was a weird position to be in, but it would have been even weirder if I wouldn't have had a bipod. So that Spartan pro hunt, big fan of that. I'm really glad I took it. Um, okay. On to clothing. So I took the first light wick boxers um, obviously they're men's boxers, but I don't care. They're super comfortable. Um, get the long ones. I would recommend get the long ones. Um, they just don't bunch up as bad. They seem to stay in place better. And especially for like days on end when you're wearing them. So let's see, I wore a pair and I believe I packed one pair. So I think I just had one change Possibly two. I don't remember. Um, anyways, so that's what I wore for that situation. Um, I took the first light compression socks. Um, I did like those socks quite a lot. I wore one pair in and then um, I packed three pair. Somebody told me that I was packing too many socks um, and that it's a really dry year in Alaska and we probably weren't going to see much rain so they weren't going to get wet and then it rained for six days. So all I'm saying there is like you probably should just pack like as many socks as you think you need or want um, and not listen to everybody else because I had some wet ass socks by the time that thing was over. I We went through a crit crossing once and they like the water went over the top of my boots or I just didn't go fast enough. I don't know. But so that was one pair that was completely soaked and like down for the count. Um, so then I only had a couple pair left. And when you're talking about like hiking, it's freaking wet and all the things. Anyways. Um, all right. So then I took for my base layer, I took two base layers. Um, I took the first light wick hoodie which I love that thing. It's like a 150 weight Merino. 
Um, that was really nice. And then I took a Wick t-shirt as well. So I just kind of fluctuated in between those when we were going to, we only got to do like, I would say three big movements. Um, I would put the t-shirt on and then when it was wet and like I was getting ready to go to bed or whatever, I would, um, have that wick hoodie for the next day. So I'd like go to bed with that wick t-shirt and then it would, um, it would like dry it out basically in my sleeping bag. And then when we were like the next day we got up to go glass or we're hunting or whatever, I would switch over to the hoodie base layer. So those are the two base layers I took. Wouldn't change anything there. That was great. Um, and then the wick three quarter length zip off bottoms that first light makes those were badass. I would definitely take those again. Um, it's really nice being able to zip them off when you want to, and then you don't have to take your pants off to do so. And same with putting them on. You don't have to take your pants off to, to do that either. Um, then, then I took the, um, the first light ridgeline pullover from, um, it's basically like a, a lightweight synthetic top. It's basically like a, like a windbreaker, like wind shirt. That thing was badass. And some people told me not to bring that either, but it packs down super small and it was great. Like when we were hiking and it was really windy on top, we had fog rolling in and out. Like I threw that thing on and it really helped like regulate my temperature a little bit more, um, steadily. Is that even a word? Um, better anyways. And then for my mid layer, uh, the Klamath hoodie, that was obviously great. That's like your mid layer fleece. Um, then I took a Brooks down vest. Some people told me not to take this either, but it folds down so small, doesn't weigh anything basically. And it's just really comfortable. And I'm really glad that I brought that. Um, that is basically a staple through all of my seasons. And I'm really glad that I brought that. Then, uh, for my like major insulating pieces, I had the Uncompadre jacket and then I also brought the pants and that was a little bit of a, some people were like, yeah, I definitely take the pants. Some people were like, no, don't take the pants. Um, it's not going to be, it's not, it's going to be nice. Like you don't need to carry the extra bulk. Um, obviously I'm glad I did. Um, but those pieces, uh, the puffy jacket and pants, those are synthetic insulation as well. Um, you know, a lot of companies make the same uh, material or, um, the same pieces, but they're going to be like in a down. And, you know, I think for a puffy jacket and pants, like that's probably up to you on, on, uh, whether you want to go synthetic or down. I obviously am a big believer in synthetic. So that's the direction that I would rather go if it was going to be really wet and crazy weather, um, or really wet environment. A lot of the places down here, like honestly, with just a little bit of extra, care maintenance make sure it's in like a dry bag all the time like down's probably gonna be fine but um anyways i use synthetic up there so i used um yeah the the puffy jacket and the pants the pants were fantastic um honestly this is the reason a lot of the reason that i went with a 20 degree sleeping bag instead of a zero degree sleeping bag um because I knew that I was going to have my puffy pants and then I could throw them on and add a little bit of extra, um, to that sleeping bag. So I decided to go with the 20 degree sleeping bag over a zero. Um, 
just basically so I could um, just cut down a little bit on the bulk and the weight um, because I knew I was going to have the puffy pants. So there you go. For uh, my pants, I wore the First Light, the Corgit Foundry pants. No complaints there. Of course, they have side zips, knee pads, all very badass things for a sheep hunt. So no, um, no complaints with those foundry pants other than I did get the wrong size. So I did have a pair of pants on the whole time that was a size too big. So pretty happy that I brought my belt on that one, which I'll get to in just a second. And then basically used the first light seek rain gear. Um, didn't have any issues with it at all. It was awesome. Um, I'll be able to talk about that a little bit later, but yeah, the, the, the rain gear was awesome. I personally did not have a leak issue and Jonah didn't either. And he was wearing the same stuff. Um, uh, the first light Brambler gaiters, you know, the Jonah and I wore the gaiters almost the whole time. Um, our guide didn't, he brought his to the airstrip, I think, but he never really put them on. Um, you know, for the most part, I mean, we spent a lot of time in the tent, but there was, a you know, a small amount of time we went through the brush and I would definitely, you know, want to have the gators, um, or I did like having the gators going through the brush. Once you get on top, I mean, it's all freaking rock, like in giant rocks. Um, as long as your pants are long enough to, uh, cover your boots sufficiently. I mean, you don't really have to have the gators, but obviously for, crit crossings and then going through the brush and stuff. It was really nice. But, um, yeah, I don't think our guide wore the gators at all. I, the morning I shot the sheep, I didn't put my gators on. It's too freaking cold. Um, <laughs> my fingers wouldn't work. Um, okay. The first light tag cuff beanie, obviously a beanie is really nice. I wore that thing to bed every night. Um, and then a couple of those times it was really windy glassing on ridges. It was, they were nice to have. Um, the first light shale hybrid glove. I took those and those are what I hiked in most of the time. And it was really nice, especially in the rocks, like having a glove on like a lightweight glove that you didn't really worry about busting up that much. Like that shale hybrid glove is pretty damn, pretty damn good glove. Um, there's a lot of different gloves out there. Um, honestly, like a mechanics glove would probably work good too. And then I brought the first light catalyst gloves, which are basically like their version of a soft shell glove. Those were fantastic. Um, you know, we, I slept with them in my sleeping bag a lot, um, pretty much after the end of every day and just got them dried out for the next day, which was really nice. So there's that, um, something like I probably would have added is the first light, uh, Brooks a down glassing mitt. As I was packing all of this stuff, I realized that I only had one glassing mitt and not two of them. Um, and then when I put the order in, it didn't get here in time when I left. So I would probably add that just because they're a down mitten that weigh basically nothing and they don't take up any space and they add a hell of a lot of warmth for what you get. Um, I just had my hands in my pockets a lot. So there's that ball cap, obviously, you know, if you ball like a ball cap or a boonie hat or whatever. Um, okay. This is, this is going to be a good one. The Salewa Raven three boots. 
So this is the boot that I chose to go with and it is a synthetic boot. They've got like a Cordura type material on the sides um, of the foot itself. These things like kind of shredded towards the end of the trip. Like I think the rocks were getting the better of it. The brush was getting the better of it. And the only thing that I can really come up with that is the reason is like it has that Cordura type material like on the side of the foot and it is easy for stuff to catch on it. Like it's easy to abraze, if you will. Um, it's easy for the rocks to chew that stuff up. And that's basically what happened. And they never failed on me. The Rand held up great. The sole held up fantastic. The boot like performed while I had it fantastically, except for the, <clears throat> the last couple days, like that Cordero was looking a little rough. Like it was kind of shredded. Um, you know, another full day on the mountain like we had those last couple days like I don't know if it would have worn through or not you know I don't know enough about what's underneath that material but whatever that material is it's on the outside it was like freaking shredding um so that's that's something I don't think they ever lost the waterproofness um you know when I went through the creek the first time like Again, I was going pretty slow, like it was pretty deep, like there was some time for that um, to get over the top of my boot. Um, but yeah, doing it again, you know, I had my camera guy get the crispy Brixels. Doing it again, I would have got the Brixel SF, definitely. Um, and that would have been a fantastic boot. Or um, another... Like, if you want to run with a synthetic boot, like a synthetic boot I just used this last weekend that I love is the uh, La Sportiva Trango Cubes. They have more of like a slick material on the outside that I don't think you'd have any problems with. Um, or go with like a leather boot. Something that just like the outer material won't like catch on rocks. So I also had on my gear list, I think I talked about it before, I was going to bring my Solomon Speedcross running shoes in for said crit crossings, things like that, instead of bringing a pair of Crocs. Um, I forgot them at the, I wore, like I wore them up there and then when we were getting ready to leave, I just, with my duffel bag, with like my street clothes in it, I just tossed them in there, didn't even think about it. So I didn't have a pair of camp shoes for the trip, um, Looking back, probably just do like a cheap ass pair of, of Crocs, you know, like our guide, <clears throat> he didn't use his for any other time other than that crit crossing. Um, so there's, there's that, um, food and drink mixes that I brought. So we ate like royalty on the mountain. We had, I shit you not like the packer, he pulled like seven sleeves of bagels full-on bagels out of his pack and they had um summer sausage and bricks of cheese and it was like really awesome um but not all hunts are like that and i think that that's something that maybe you should just talk to your outfitter with a bit um you know even when i asked um luke our outfitter i I don't want to say it was like a little sheepish asking about it, but I was kind of like, man, this is like, it seems like such a minor detail, but it really is important when it comes to your mentality over a hunt is like what you're eating, how much you're eating, all of the things. So I asked him and he's like, man, like 
you know, salami, cheese, bagels, all the things. And I'm like, that sounds freaking awesome. But I was on a hunt in the Yukon a few years ago, quite a few years ago now, that we got a Cliff Bar, a candy bar, a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, and then that was it. And that was not enough for me. And I'm really glad that that hunt got over like on the second day. Um, so I told everybody going and I told myself, bring some snacks. Like if there's something that you like and it's going to keep you a happier camper on the mountain, freaking bring it. So here's just some things that I brought that I really like and I still like to this day, which was, is good, I suppose. Um, so there, I got these at Albertsons. They call them the company's name is Kate's and these ones are called the Grizzly Bar or at least they used to be called the Grizzly Bar. I don't even know if they have the name on the bars anymore. Um, but it's basically dark chocolate peanut butter bar and it's like has flaxseed, has a bunch of nuts in it, um, has like craisins, like dark chocolate and then of course the peanut butter. I love them. They're like cracked me. So those went for sure. Um, the cliff nut butter filled bars. So I'm starting to get to where I like cliff bars again. Um, I really outdid myself on some peanut butter ones quite a few years ago and I've, they had never been the same, but I'm starting to get back into them, but they make some that are filled with peanut butter. They make some that are filled with almond butter too. Um, but I really like those, um, big fan of like either the Snickers peanut butter or I'm a big peanut butter fan, obviously. Um, a Snickers peanut butter or like the um, Reese's Take Fives. Those are really good. Anything like that. Like if you like a Snickers, they are badass on the mountain. Like you should take them with you. Um, I took some Sour Patch Kids. Um, I wrote down to take dried mango. That didn't happen, but that didn't matter because they had an, uh, an entire bag of dried mangoes on the mountain and even some chocolate covered ones, which were really nice. Um, coffee. I brought, um, I brought some black rifle instant coffee. That was really good. Um, another one that I just, it just didn't get here in time before we left was the dark timber, like their Mount Baker mocha. That's really good too. If you like really chocolatey stuff, but you almost can't tell that there's coffee in that thing. So it's nice to take like, I usually do a coffee, like a regular instant coffee and then the Mount Baker mocha if I'm going to go that route. Um, stuff to think about there. And then, uh, I took fig bars. They're called, oh, Na nature's bakery, like organic fig bars or something like that. They're freaking delicious. And they have a bunch of different flavors. They have a brownie one that's like, tastes exactly like a brownie, which was pretty nice. So, um, oh yeah. And then for, um, drink mixes. One thing that I brought that I think is really important and everybody should probably do something like this is like liquid IV is what they call it. It's an electrolyte drink mix. You, you want to be careful just with electrolytes in general. You don't want to like only be drinking electrolytes with your water. You want to be like having some straight water too, but having something to replenish you is gonna, other than just water is going to help. So that liquid IV was badass. Um, the lemon lime is good. Would not recommend the passion fruit at all. It was absolutely disgusting. Um, so yeah, there's, uh, there's that just, I would not be opposed to like either telling your outfitter, 
like you want a freaking list of exactly what you're going to be taking with you. Um, and then you can decide if you want to add to it or if you want to just completely pack your own meals. Um, you know, we had mountain house every night. This is something else also. Um, the mountain houses have changed, like their packaging is different, but they also changed a lot of other things. Um, a lot of their, they've taken like their serving sizes down. So like it says it feeds two people. Um, but the total caloric intake for like the entire bag is like 500 calories, which that doesn't bother me. The thing that that just tells me is they've cut down on their portion sizes a bit. So that's, that's interesting. Um, and then their hydration times pretty much correlate with that. So like a lot of the hydration times were like five minutes and 10 minutes and, you know, usually before they were like 15 to 20. So just something interesting with, um, with, uh, those freeze drieds that were, that was a little bit different. Um, okay. So pretty much takes care of the food and the water stuff there. So, um, the personal camp stuff, obviously brought toilet paper with me in a Ziploc. The Ziploc portion is very important. I would not skip on that. Um, and then I brought some like wet wipe singles. I ended up not being able to find the Hey Dudes like I usually bring with me. Um, I just got like the regular singles, wipes, whatever. They're nice to have to like wash your face, wash your hands, arms, um, use obviously for other things, but uh, the wet wipes singles were nice. Um, I have like a little foldable Colgate toothbrush that I got at Walmart. Um, in their travel section quite a long time ago. I still have it. Brought that, brought a small toothpaste. Um, I also like the toothpick that are like the little flossy thingies. Um, those are really nice. Like, you know, if you are eating whatever and you get something stuck in your tooth, it's super annoying. So at least having some kind of like a floss with you. Um, I really like those toothpick flosses. They're just really nice to have. Um, this probably should have been like in the eating stuff, but, um, a backpacking cup. So I have just a small, like a GSI, like a coffee cup basically. And it's just super lightweight. It's really nice, um, to be able to, to have your own cup. So you're not just like drinking out of a jet boil. Um, our guide had a, he had just like a, I don't even know what it was, honestly, but it was something like a pocket rocket, just like a little stove that they, you know, screwed onto the canisters. Seemed to work great. Didn't do the best in wind on a trip like that. Something like the, uh, in MSR, um, shoot, a reactor would have been really nice to have, um, or something like that. It would have bucked the wind quite a bit better, but all in all, like that little stove worked great. It was nice having that little backpacking cup. Another cup that I really like using like on the daily at home and then also like in the backcountry now is these um, these like little Yeti 10 ounce coffee mugs. Um, they're a little bit heavier, but uh, they keep coffee warmer for a hell of a long time. They have a nice snapping lid and they're basically bomb proof, so just uh something there if you if you don't mind carrying a few extra ounces they're a nice cup um okay first aid some essentials type of stuff here so i took 
an assortment of pill bottle or of, of pill stuff. Um, like I took ibuprofen, I took Tylenol, I took Aleve PM, and then I have like some migraine medication. Um, and I think that that's, I think that that's it. Um, but yeah, definitely recommend ibuprofen. The Tylenol was a nice thing to have too. Um, I have been told that the ibuprofen for like inflammation and then the Tylenol is going to help you a little bit more with like pain. And then, um, Aleve PM has just seemed to be a really good nighttime thing for me if I can't sleep. Um, so then that's nice. And then migraine medication. I don't get migraines very often, but my God, when I do, they are awful. So keep some of that with me all the time. I also keep Benadryl. Um, Benadryl is really nice to have just as a, it's like a, if you have an allergic reaction to something, um, you know, Benadryl is a nice thing to have. Jonah was allergic to bees. I didn't know that until he got there. So I was really happy that somebody had Benadryl. Um, okay. The Luco tape, gosh, and I feel really bad. Somebody sent me a message like on my Instagram and on my Facebook page asking me the link to this and I just need to post it. So I will do that down in the description. Um, Luco tape. A lot of people have heard about that. It's a super, super sticky, um, tape. That's really good for it. Kind of like replaces moleskin. If you don't already have, uh, a, a blister started that is because the back is sticky. So it'll rip that sucker right off. Um, but this stuff that I found on Amazon, it's not technically called Luco tape. I don't remember what it's called, but it has its own back. So it's not like you have a sticky back on a roll, like a duct tape, and then you unroll it and you like roll it onto something else. Like I do have duct tape down here, um, that I'll talk about in a second, but it has like individual little backing tape. So you can, you don't have to take the entire roll with you. Basically, you can just cut a section off, you can roll it up and then it's smaller. So I'll link to that down in the show notes. Got that off Amazon. That's the only place I could find it. Um, and then tenacious tape, of course, tenacious tape is a super, super sticky, like gear, fabric tape. I've patched sleeping pads with it before, um, puffy jackets, rain gear, like a lot of things. So that's something to, to take with you. It's really cheap, light, doesn't take up any space. Just take it with you is, would be a good thing. Um, Took a small like rolled up thing of gauze and then had a couple of like the gauze strips, um, not strips, like patches, like big patches. So like if I had a cut or something, I put the gauze over it and then apply pressure. Um, I had sur- surgical glue with me. I had duct tape. So I just unrolled duct tape onto my waterproof match contain- uh, container. There was um, the guide rolled a bunch of duct tape onto his Nalgene bottles. So that's another tip there. I think it stays a little bit more dry and like less being less abrased if it's around my match container inside of my little pullout kit. Um, and then a tourniquet. I did bring a tourniquet. I do carry a tourniquet with me on the daily in the back country. Um, and then I have one in all my vehicles too. So there's that. Um, I did bring MSR Aquatabs just in case we got into a real sketch situation. Um, I would at least have those Aquatabs that I could throw in if the filter got jammed up, which it freaking might as well have been jammed up the whole time. It didn't work very well. 
Um, I brought a little thing of pyro putty, a fire starter. That is a very badass fire starter. I brought a light my fire striker, which is like, you know, a spark striker thing. Um, I haven't done it in a while, but I have started fires with that thing and cotton balls and Vaseline. So another alternative to like pyro putty would be cotton balls and Vaseline. I just put them in a little pill bottle, keeps them dry. So, um, there's that. Uh, long burn matches in a waterproof container, which I was talking about that I wrapped in duct tape. And then I brought a few zip ties, never a bad thing to have. Um, what else? So I brought an extra CR2 battery for my rangefinder, just in case that thing went down. It did not, but just in case, never a bad bad thing to have an extra battery with you. I had three extra AAA lithium ion batteries for my headlamp just in case my rechargeable was like dead and I couldn't recharge it or something, which that didn't happen either. Um, I did bring like a little pen, which was good. Um, you never know when you might have to write on something. Actually a marker is what I took and and that's good. Um, and then a few safety pins was another thing that I took. And I am trying to think what else I took. Sunglasses, obviously. Um, it was nice having the sunglasses. I bug spray. Like, I didn't bring bug spray. And for the first two days, I thought I was really going to regret that decision. Um, but it, it ended up getting pretty damn damn cold, obviously. So the bugs weren't really an issue after the first, like, couple of nights. Um, sunscreen. I did not bring any sunscreen. I could imagine it could get pretty damn hot, um, but I didn't bring any sunscreen with me, and obviously we didn't need it. Um, chapstick. I definitely keep a chapstick. Like I always try to keep one in my pocket, and then I try to keep one in my little like emergency pull-out thing too, which is nice. Um, I brought... Also with that like essentials type stuff, I brought some flagging tape, um, and then I brought some paracord as well. So I couldn't even tell you how much paracord I, I brought, but I did bring some P-cord, um, just in case, didn't end up using it. What else? It's pretty much all I can, it's pretty much all I can think. Um, you know, all in all, my, my list was pretty damn dialed. Um, I do feel a little bad that my boot choice, like something so critical, didn't really turn out very well for me. Um, and I shouldn't say that, like, they're still fully functioning boots, and I'm going to talk to Salewa about what happened to them. Um, but I, the part that worries me is I don't know what would have happened if we had another day in the rocks, you know, if they would have completely blown out or what would have happened with that situation. Um, so something to think about there. But really everything else, like, I everything was pretty dialed, like, no major catastrophes, um, everything held together well, and, um, yeah, it was just the weather kicked us right in the ass, but we, we got it done on day eight, the morning of day eight, and, um, yeah, so really happy with how everything turned out, obviously, um, I'm gonna try to wrap this up before I get too long-winded, I think we're like an hour and 20 in, um, if you have any questions, go ahead and get a hold of me. Really, everything that I just went through is like what I'm carrying with me in the lower 48. Might switch up my sleeping bag a little bit. Might switch up the tent situation a little bit. Um, 
for like my personal stove, I'm either bringing like a Soto Windmaster with my little minimalist cup, which is like my early season kit, or um, as we get later into the season, probably go over to an MSR um, reactor, just better in the wind. Uh, later season, just be a little bit more efficient with that fuel usage. Um, and then I also have like a jet boil that's just your standard jet boil that uh, I can use sometimes as well. But um, yeah, anyways, that's all I got. If you have any questions, let me know. Keep uh, tapping into the Instagram and we're going to have new episodes coming up. So we will uh, talk to you guys on the next episode.